Thank you for downloading the Aging Matters podcast. To find out more about how Transitions Life Care is providing care and comfort for life's changing needs, visit transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one. With Nicole Claggett, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with the lovely Nicole Cleggett representing Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. Nicole, how are you this evening? I am doing fabulous. That's what I like to hear, I, Nicole. Yes, I am very happy. I had my hands in the garden earlier today and... All the fruits and vegetables are growing like crazy, so I couldn't be happier. No coffee in hand either, so you're, nope. you're going strong. That's yeah, good. That's right. That's good to right. See. <laughs> well, Nicole, you know, we always talk about subjects that deal with caregiving and our aging population and things that should be concerning them. And, you know, it seems like we discuss this a lot, Nicole, and that's just the the gap that we, we have when it comes to care and paying for care. And, you know, w- when we face those decisions and those uh those scenarios where we're not quite sure we always want to bring in an expert and to do that we've brought in beth donner and she is the president of diversified planning beth thank you so much for coming in this evening thank you so much i really appreciate the invitation so i think beth has a very interesting perspective because she comes to us today obviously as a person who does financial planning but she has a healthcare background and so i think she's definitely poised to be in a position to talk to us about what we should know that we probably don't about the financial planning process to include what we think we know about Medicare and really don't. Because there are a lot of assumptions out there. I know when I used to work in the private duty in-home care realm, people would swear up and down that Medicare will cover them to have 24-7 a day in-home care. And to the point where they, they were told they felt by people from the Medicare office that in fact it would. And you know, sometimes we'd even have to sit on the phone with them with Medicare until they actually got the news that no, it would not. So let's kind of head off on some of those topics, Beth, about the Medicare world and you know, kind of how it works and, and what's covered and what isn't. Absolutely, Nicole. I could not agree with you anymore with with your uh, introductory synopsis there. Um, I did come from a background of nursing, and uh, I've worked in hospital settings, um, intensive care, home health, medical case management, and actually my my last nursing um, was working with hospice, um, well, 25 years ago, back when it was hospice of Wake County, now transitions life care but um, so working in nursing certainly gave me a opportunity to learn a broad spectrum of how um, health insurance works in this country both in the private sector you know just uh, insurance carriers that we may have our coverage with through a group group plan or individually but also in the um, public sector, Medicare, uh, Medicaid, those types of things. And so it's very true that people in this country simply do not have a good understanding of how the Medicare system works. Now, particularly my focus, um, not my only, but I've fallen into this niche, quite frankly, by accident, because I, I did come from a background in nursing and Um, 25 years ago, I 
made the decision to get out of nursing and go into um, insurance and helping people manage their assets and making monetary decisions. Um, so coupling those two backgrounds together um, and spend quite a bit of time here more recently looking at Medicare um, and even Medicaid, uh, people absolutely do not understand the uh, monetary risk that they face when it comes to what we call in the industry a long-term care event. Yeah, and the reality of it is is that long-term care predominantly is paid for out of your pocket. I mean, the, the, the needs that a person will have if they're diagnosed with a chronic illness for, you know, however long they have it, 1 to 20, 30 years, a lot of that supplemental care that a person is going to need is actually going to require some uh, financial planning in advance so that they can prepare for it. Absolutely. Um, when people do take the time to give this uh, particular topic of long-term care some some uh, education on their part and they learn really how the system works, there's quite a few options on the front side. Mm -hmm. In other words, not when you're not in a crisis <laughs> type situation to, to make some um, proactive monetary decisions um, that might be retitling um, assets that they own. It, some, for some people, they may want to um, put assets or things into a trust or something. But um, for the most part, Medic Medicare does not cover the large majority of a long-term care event unless um, some of the details that people might be concerned about would be a, a three-day hospital stay. Not just required. a three-day, a three-midnight day. Well, <laughs> three-midnight stay, yeah. Well, thank you for bringing that up, Nicole. Because <laughs> that's confusing and not an observation either, Correct. an actual admission. Because a lot yes. of the hospitals um, keep a person in observation for a day or two, and then they're there one night, and then that doesn't qualify them. Absolutely. Uh, that's a very confusing process. So one recommendation I would say that you and I easily could agree on <laughs> is uh, if, if you're in a hospital admission type situation or, or you happen to be sitting in a hospital emergency room, you know, um, with a significant um, injury or medical diagnosis, you know, maybe it's a fractured hip, uh, maybe it's a stroke. Obviously, there's a long list of things that can go wrong with the human body. Uh, that can land us in a in a hospital emergency room, but um, I do always when I'm speaking with people on this topic recommend, you know, ask the hospital staff, ask the doctor, ask the nurse, ask the social worker, someone, you know, is my loved one um, being admitted or are we here under observation status? Ideally, we do want a person to be admitted. Now, not a doctor. Don't try to make these decisions for people, um, obviously. But the question, I think, should be asked because whatever the answer is to that, observation is not going to qualify you for up to um, 90 to 100 days of uh, rehabilitation services that are mostly paid by Medicare. 
But again, it has to be a three-day admission on the front side, an admission, not an observation. Right, and then when you get discharged and you get put into a rehab-type setting, you need to be able to be making gains or you'll be quickly cut off of that. So if a person stalls out and is not continuing to improve, people often become surprised after day 20 that suddenly they're told loved one has to go home or they have to pay privately. Correct, and this happens frequently. Very frequently, yes. Uh, more frequently than we would, we would you know, like to hear, so... The 90 or 100 days of, quote, rehabilitation, rehabilitation services, when when Medicare really does pay a very large portion of the bill, is dependent upon the person improving. And unfortunately, um, when we really have a senior elder type person in in a very significant healthcare event occurs, you know, unfortunately, this this may be um, a time when when we're just not going to get better. And so if we can't um, have that noted on paper that we're seeing improvement in this person, they absolutely, as you referenced, um, Medicare will step in and they will, in essence, stop paying uh, the bill at the rehab center. Uh, typically, I, I think probably a social worker type person, um, uh, some form of a discharge planner in any given facility is probably going to come to the family and say, um, I regret to inform you that Medicare you know, is not going to be paying the bill anymore. And so these rehab centers, as you know, and I hope a lot of our listeners know, but this may be new information to some people. There are a lot of these uh, rehab and nursing center type um, facilities that are charging three, four, five, six, seven thousand $7,000 a month. And when families get into that situation, they, they, for the first time in their life, they're given this information. Uh, I can tell you <laughs> many times that their first reaction obviously is shock. I thought Medicare paid for health care, and uh, th- this is a hard reality of how the health care system in the, in the U.S. works. So then you have another camp and another school of thought where people oftentimes think, okay, well, that's fine then. Medicare is not going to work. I'm going to dump all of my assets and go on Medicaid. But the reality of that is that, um, unfortunately, Medicaid doesn't reimburse organizations very well and so a lot of organizations do not take Medicaid services and then the fact because they don't reimburse very well for really the type of care the person needs a lot of times people are surprised at what their options are to put it nicely in the long-term care setting so they think that's like the golden ticket for care for their loved one but then when they get into that situation they're not at all pleased and they 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 think that you know the person should be able to be somewhere else that doesn't necessarily accept Medicaid Again, you understand this very well, Nicole. Uh, there are probably a lot of our listeners um, this evening that, that haven't heard this before. I think it's unfortunate, um, but you were absolutely correct. Um, people get informed. Families get informed. Okay, you're, you're going to have to start paying for a facility. There is not an infinite number of Medicaid accepting uh, facilities 
meaning we do have a limited number of beds. And, and most of them require you to spend down there first, which it, means spend down all of your money down to a certain amount and then qualify for Medicaid. So you need to kind of pay privately for a while to help offset. And the reason being is because the, the, the reimbursement model doesn't really pay for the care. Correct. So people are spending down assets. I mean, originally and, and to this day, uh, Medicaid was set up for the most part for... Uh, I guess in layman's terms, what we would call a destitute type situation. And um, so there are some planning opportunities for people. Um, Medicaid financial uh, review examiners don't necessarily volunteer all the information that they could to people. Um, For this reason, I work with some elder care planning attorneys locally. Uh, We work together to help particularly in a marital situation, there are some options of retitling assets and making changes to someone's monetary status. And this can be quite helpful. Great. And what's the best way if someone wants to get a hold of you? How would they go about that, Beth? Sure. Thank you. Um, I have work and mobile numbers I'll be glad to share. Uh, in my office is in Raleigh here. So 919 919- Two three four six three six nine is the office number or my mobile. Don't mind people calling me, <laughs> whatever time of day or night. Nine one nine six zero one zero five zero one, or of course email um, Beth at diversifiedplanning.com. Excellent. That's Beth at diversifiedplanning.com. She yes, is sir. Beth Donner, the president of Diversified Planning. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. I appreciate it so very much. We appreciate Enjoy it. Your evening. Thank you so much. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights, here's your host, Jason Kong. You are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care here on News Radio 680 WPTF. You can find more about Transitions Life Care at transitionslifecare.org. That is the website, transitionslifecare.org, celebrating their 40th anniversary. A wonderful congratulations to them, transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. Nicole, we are uh, switching gears here. We've got a new guest in the studio, and we're going to pivot and talk about the subject of wellness. And to do that, we've brought in Jenny Griggs. She is a geriatric specialist with the Aging Collective. Jenny, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Oh my goodness. Thanks for having me. We are super excited about having you here, being that it is Older Americans Month, and you have a topic that is hot on the tip of your tongue, which is wellness. So I'm going to let you jump right on in. Well, thanks, Nicole. I thought it was appropriate because Connect, Create, and Contribute have to do with Older Americans Month. Mm -hmm. And how they work connect they want to connect with friends family and services they want to create engaging activities promote learning encourage health and personal enrichment and contribute time and talent to life experiences 
So it's the collective's goal to educate, advocate, and inspire others to go out and do just that. Mm -hmm. And so much of it has to do with wellness. So just to reiterate what the dimensions of senior wellness are, they're a little different than all the dimensions of wellness. They are basically um, physical, emotional, occupational, spiritual, social, and intellectual all leading to a holistic lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And the environment that we live in is so relevant and important to this. One of the things that's key is people understanding what is out there that they can take part in and participate in to have a wellness life. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that someone who has a um, key to wellness, so to speak, or has a happy life or has experienced good physical attributes and good nutrition and lived in a positive environment will outlive Americans by 7.5 years. I think that's significant. Mm -hmm. So when you take a look at that, let's talk a little bit first about the physical aspect of it. Right. One of the sad parts is only 33% of all Americans that are 65 and older actually are physically active or what we consider physically active by the WHO. And well, I think it's going to get worse. It is going to get <laughs> because worse. Because look at the younger generations, our levels of obesity and sedentary activity and the fact that we're constantly connected to our devices. Absolutely. You're so right. Mm-hmm. Uh, statistics say that it goes down by 8% a year. So that's that's getting pretty scary. Yep. So what are the answers to keep people moving? And what are the answers to get health care costs down? Mm-hmm. Now, 21% of total health care costs are as a result of people not being active and eating correctly, mm-hmm. um, mainly because of obesity, mm-hmm. chronic illness, and things of that sort. <clears throat> and I was recently at a research symposium related to Alzheimer's disease, and one of the very... Uh, common threads throughout that entire day really had to do with the uh, sedentary lifestyle of the Americans, the fact that we're we're obese, and the fact that what is good for the heart is good for the brain. So they are really basically saying now that our diet is extremely closely linked to dementia. Yeah. And so, and we know that 50% of the people over the age of 85 have an Alzheimer's or dementia diagnosis. So getting a move on is going to be super important, which is a big reason why this country is a lot different than a lot of the, even the European countries. They walk everywhere. Right. Well, you know, people will say to you, okay, well, it's my genetics. Mm-hmm. Well, there were there have been a lot of research studies done that say genetics will go back like three generations mm-hmm. that are affecting you know, dementia and Alzheimer's and our weight and how we handle uh, things like that today. So, yes, when we started eating processed foods three generations ago, children today Mm -hmm. are being affected by that. Mm -hmm. But we can't keep using that as an excuse. We really have to get with the program. And they're finding, you know, even if you have some of the markers for Alzheimer's, that doesn't necessarily mean you're doomed. And they are finding that what you're eating and the way you move around with your body can be protective in nature. Have you ever read the David Snowden study on nuns? Mm -hmm. About nuns? Yes, It's excellent. And, And to your point totally that there were a thousand nuns that were researched. And it was a perfect situation for um, control groups. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't. They ate properly. They rested. They obviously had spiritual wellness, all types of good quality mm-hmm. of life. And even though some of them died, I mean, they all had to bra- donate their brains to science, which mm-hmm. was one of the requirements. Some of them lived to be 85, 104. They didn't show as many signs of right. Alzheimer's and dementia, mm-hmm. even though their brains showed that they had the plaques and tangles. Right. So, You're exactly right about that. You know, one thing I'd like to educate people about in this area, and it's kind of my lifestyle story, is 
um, about five years ago, I, I had a scenario and had to have several uh, replacements of joints. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. Parts and pieces. Mrs. Yeah, yeah, head over here. I, I, I was the even, I even got a recall notice on one of them. Oh, wow. So, so, yeah. That's worse yeah. than the airbag. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you get a recall and you go, oh, this was on your hips. So I was forced to retire. Mm-hmm. I lived a life of traveling nationally as a national marketing and salesperson. And all of a sudden, I was like, wow, what am I going to do with my life? Not only that, it's like, you know, exercise had always been part of my life. I was a health and physical education major and had always been a big part of my life. So I was very depressed, to say the least. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, my husband died with cancer and a related dementia Mm -hmm. scenario. So I found the senior center. Mm -hmm. You know, the sad part is most people, you say the term senior center and aging is ageless. I don't know why we just don't admit that we're getting older. I sit here before you almost 67 (laughs) and I am so proud to be here and be alive. Well, I found senior center resources run by resources for seniors. There was nothing that I had to pay for. Mm -hmm. I started back into a program and my doctors could not believe it. Within about three months, I was taking Zumba, gold i was taking tai chi Mm -hmm. i was taking aerobics i was taking yoga Mm -hmm. and it cost not one dime Mm -hmm. so as a result one of the things that the collective has done is we have researched all those and they're all evidence-based classes they prove and they reduce falls Mm -hmm. by a huge percentage one in four of us well there's four of us in this room one of us is going to fall and have a major major scenario in an emergency room and probably not ever recoup it's most likely going to be me yeah there you go jason (laughs) i don't know you're the youngest in this group so Uh, i I wouldn't go by that i don't know i'm left-handed they say we're more prone to die (laughs) at an earlier age so (laughs) there you go well fall prevention causes fifty-nine thousand deaths minimal a year at resources for seniors we do classes matter of balance Mm -hmm. and which is huge it's both physical and cognitive so people learn. That's the whole point of what we're trying to do here, mm-hmm. Nicole, is teach about the things that exist. And, and wellness, and a huge part, you know, it's beyond Medicare. It's beyond going to the doctor. It's beyond exercise. A, lot, a big piece of wellness for older adults has to do with social isolation. Absolutely. And so going to your senior center is definitely key. One of the challenges we have in this area, which I hear over and over again, really has to do with transportation at times. Because once you give up those car keys... It gets really hard to get out and do things. You are that's that's the number one mm-hmm. one of the biggest number one issues. Yep. Now there all there are some other solutions. Uber I, I now, just, Uber I, now, Uber. I lifted. <laughs> yeah, I lifted and Ubered. It was a scary yep. experience, but I did it, yep. and it can be done. Yeah, and you know it's not as expensive as what you think. Right. But they're also from an environment standpoint. There are also now new ideas mm-hmm. that like universities that are doing dorms where seniors can live there mm-hmm. and they can live on campus. Yep. There is co-op housing, yep. which is becoming very popular. There's just so much. At Wake Tech, we've just started a geriatric program mm-hmm. to teach the basics of what there is. Yep. And so I'm really excited about that. We just finished our first session. I'm, I encourage anybody to come participate. And we're going to start the next one, and it's an online program in the fall. Great. So there's a lot about wellness. There's a lot out there. And we just encourage everybody to have the vision, believe in yourself, and just go do it. You'll live longer. Be happier. And enjoy your family and life so much more indeed 
Yeah, that's that's great, great uh, advice from you, Jenny. She's Jenny Griggs. She is a geriatric specialist with the Aging Collective. Jenny, thank you so much for joining us this evening. We really appreciate it. No, my pleasure, Jason. Thank you. And thank you, Nicole. You're welcome. A quick break and back with more. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights, here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care here on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. And Nicole, we've entered the month of May. That means the caregiver summits are just around the corner, Nicole. Yes, sir. We have our first one coming up in a little over a month on uh, June 6th, the RTP Caregiver Summit. And I'm so super excited to have my partner in crime here with me today, Lisa Levine, who is the Director of Education for the Dementia Alliance. And we are going to be talking to you at length about the caregiver summits because we often mention them, but we don't really dig in deep as for what people can expect, uh, what's going to be there, what the session topics are going to be. And and so we're super excited. Welcome, Lisa. Thanks for having me back again. Our 11th year. I know. I like wow. the number 11. I do too. It's a cool number. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so yeah, so we are, We the one thing we know for sure is we're getting older. Yes, you and that's I, true. We feel it every, we every do, year at the we? end of the summits. <laughs> we decide we need more and more young people to help us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lots of volunteers. <laughs> Lots of very good volunteers. Yes, for sure. So RTP Caregiver Summit, the second time we're holding it at the Sheraton Imperial, which is really exciting because that uh, facility has a tremendous amount of space. It really lends itself really well to a summit of, of our size. It really does. And, um, you know, we, we didn't know what to expect last year, but we filled up a lot of space in that large venue. We did. We really did. And, you know, mm-hmm. folks were very complimentary of the location and the parking, the ease of access off of all of the highways. And so we are really excited to bring back the Caregiver Summits. And so for those listening, the Caregiver Summits, the idea behind them is really to bring respite, resolution, and resources to the family caregivers that are attending because we know the family caregiver journey can be very long, can be very hard, and you certainly can find bless in the mess, but it's really, really nice to come to a place where you're surrounded by other people who are sharing the same journey that you are. may not be exactly the same, but everybody understands. So that sense of empathy and sympathy um, is very strong at these summits. So true. And we see people that come back, you know, year after year and get together with people they've met at the summits before, and there's a real camaraderie there. They make it a family weekend, even. Sometimes, sometimes they do. Yes, for sure. So talk to us a little bit about the the sessions that we're doing this year, Lisa, because I know you work really, really hard to make sure that we have sessions that would appeal to a very wide audience. Well, we're mixing things up like we always do. We try and make things just a little different every year. So this year we're going to have six educational sessions and they're going to repeat three times. So people get to go to all half of all the education that we have, which is a little different. Uh, than we usually do and so we're going to have some topics on dementia we have one called so your family member has been diagnosed with dementia now what 
And it's going to focus on um, what do you do after you get that statement from the doctor. Unfortunately, so many times people um, get that and then they go home and they don't know what to do with themselves. So we've got some great social workers from Duke who are going to explore that topic for us. We also have a caregiver's productivity toolkit, which uh, I know we can all use uh, (laughs) to help us be a little bit more... um, a little better at time management, mm-hmm. a little bit better at juggling all of our responsibilities. Finding time for ourselves in there somewhere. Definitely. Schedule that in a bit. Absolutely. <laughs> a little bit where we can find it. And um, there's a lot of tools out there now, uh, a lot of technology to do that. But how do you know what's the right one for you? Mm-hmm. So Emily Parks is going to go through that with all of our caregivers. I wonder if they're going to bring up the Caring Bridge. Um, Because I know one of the big challenges that family caregivers have has to do with, you know, getting the communication out to all the other family members Mm -hmm. that aren't really local. Mm -hmm. And so that gets to be exhausting to kind of repeat the same thing over and over again. And and so kind of having that ability to almost blog or write a diary or journal about what's going on with a loved one can be helpful from an efficiency perspective. Definitely can. And also for those people that want to do more but aren't really sure what to do because they don't know what's happening day to day, Mm -hmm. uh, that's a great tool to share. Definitely. What else? Uh, We're having an amazing session I'm so excited about. It's called Improving Quality of Life Through the Power of Music. And I know you've had Casey Hall from our office uh, talk about personalized music. Um, We all know that music affects us individually. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing how uplifting it can be or how calming it can be. And so Casey's going to help people both Find a way to uh, personalize their own playlists, Mm -hmm. but also playlists for their people they're caring for so they can help boost their mood when they're feeling down, relax them when they're stressed. Um, It really is an amazing tool. It comes from the people that made uh, music and memory. Mm -hmm. Um, That was a big thing on the Internet. Uh And um, it's really exciting. We also, of course, have a legal topic because we always have to do that. We're going to talk about Medicaid eligibility in North Carolina with Clarity. Um, They are great sponsors of ours. Mark Costley and Jonathan Williams will be there to join us again this year. They were there last year and uh, we all need more information on the ever-changing subject. Definitely, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, We also have um, a very important session which is caring for people at the end of life with dementia. Mm. We talk a lot about what do you do with someone who has dementia during the day? How do you help them with care tasks but we really don't always focus on end of life issues mm-hmm. and what's going on it's it's not a fun topic but it's a very important topic and we have so many people that are helping loved ones with dementia well and it can be quite paralyzing to the family when they don't know what to expect and what how they're going to be able to handle it and so I think it's while it is like you said difficult it's really important for people to understand if a person is going to ultimately die from a disease like Alzheimer's or mm-hmm. related dementia what might that look like Absolutely. Sometimes having that knowledge. Yeah, to know the resources ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you can be more prepared for for what's going to happen. And then finally, we have a session called Finding Encouragement and Rest in Your Caregiving Journey. And it's going to, you know, we always try and do Mm self-care at these. It's so important for caregivers to take care of themselves. And so we are going to have Rich Gwaltney back from Transitions Life Care. And he's going to help people look within and find the courage and the strength that they need to get through this caregiving journey. 
journey. And I know people that go to that session will just feel really good uh, when it's done. Yeah, so you can really, you know, as an attendee at the summit, you can really decide, you know, do you want to really understand more about the business of caregiving? Do you want to arm yourself if you have a loved one with a cognitive impairment with more tools to help you with that? Or do you just want to spend that time taking care of yourself, Mm -hmm. not to mention the resources that are there. So we typically have 70 plus exhibitors that are there that really represent all of the different types of resources that a person may access during their loved one's journey. So whether it's a private duty in-home care company like we had on earlier, whether it's a residential facility, whether it's a state agency like SHIP, Mm -hmm. we talk about them with Medicare or a department on aging that can really connect you with some additional resources. And so some of these resources are free. Some of them, you know, maybe something that you're going to pay for, but really going through that exhibit hall is an education in itself. And we have a lot of caregivers that come mainly for the resources, right? you know, not only for that education, but there's just so much information to be gained there. So we do also have something new this year where we're going to have an opening session, um, which we haven't been able to do in the past, that is really going to be more of a TED Talk type style. So it's going to be an experience to really immerse you in your day. I don't want to give away all the fun and exciting <laughs> details, but really it will appeal to all caregivers. And we're actually going to ask all attendees, including the exhibitors and the the sponsors to attend because it's really going to be an experience to remember, I think, and really kind of set the tone for what we're going to to, to be doing for the entire day. And I would be remiss if I didn't say thank you to our underwriting sponsor who came back this year, which is AARP, and our presenting sponsor who also came back this year, which is Clarity Legal Group. And we would not be able to do these summits if it wasn't for the support of our sponsors and our exhibitors, which they truly make these summits affordable for our attendees. So summits coming up on June 6th mm-hmm. at in RTP at the Sheraton Imperial. If you are a family caregiver and you would like to attend, the cost is $15. That includes the entire day's worth of sessions. That includes a lunch. That includes <laughs> getting connected with people. You can meet Lisa. You can meet me. You can have a little conversations with you know other people who are going through your journey. And it really is just a day to take you away from what you're going through on a day-to-day basis and really help you plan for the future. It's an exciting event and it's an important event that people attend. Yeah, you know, Nicole, there was a report that came out from our sponsors, AARP in 2015, and it said eight out of 10 caregivers say they could use more information on caregiving topics, 80%. Well, we got it right here. We got it. We do. Yeah, you're not going to find as much information and as much resources in one spot as this. So I highly encourage everyone to attend. Lisa, thank you so much as always for coming and we always appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Again, caregiversummit.org is the website. You can register for the June 6th session at the Sheraton Imperial. You can also look at the other sessions as well, planned out throughout the rest of the year. Nicole does a wonderful job getting those organized. Registration is so easy online. Head over to caregiversummit.org. A quick break and back and more with Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. With your co-host, Nicole Claykitt, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. News Radio 680 WPTF, you're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Live Care. She is Nicole Claykitt. I am Jason Kong. Thank you so much for joining us this Saturday evening. And Nicole, we got a little housekeeping that we need to do. And, you know, we haven't talked about Transitions Guiding Lights in a while. And I think that this is 
uh, again, such a tremendous resource available to folks and that, uh, you know, we probably should say something about it every single program, <laughs> although it, it makes it hard because we don't have a whole lot of time. But I, I think it is a very important to remind everyone just what Guiding Likes is and what it does. Well, thank you, Jason. So we are a nonprofit organization, a charity organization uh, in the state of North Carolina, and we provide to the community at large free information, free referrals, education and support to those who are in a caregiving journey for a loved one. And, you know, one of the things that I think we don't hit on very often is that, you know, what exactly is a caregiver? You know, I always think about, you know, I think it's Jeff Foxworthy, you know, you know you're a redneck if. There <laughs> needs to be, you know, you're a caregiver if. And, you know, it, it's kind of sneaky because a lot of people identify being a family caregiver as actually providing that physical care to a loved one. So that is literally, you know, if I am not dressing my mom, bathing my mom, assisting my mom to the bathroom, feeding my mom, then I'm not a caregiver. But that's actually not true. You know, caregiving is really um, a whole host of, of different types of tasks that you do with a loved one to include what we often call activities of daily living. That's the bathing and the dressing, the grooming that I just mentioned. But there's also what they call IDALs, which are more of the independent activities of daily living. So those are things like preparing meals, going grocery shopping, writing your bills, being transported to and from work or doctor's appointments, things of that nature. And oftentimes those are the things that start happening in a family situation. And that's really caregiving. So if you're starting to, you know, have to, you know, check in on mom via phone call, take mom to doctor's appointments, uh, make sure that mom is getting rid of the spoiled food in the refrigerator, actually run to the grocery store because she's not driving anymore. You're actually really a caregiver. It can sneak up on you at times. You may just think, hey, I'm I'm helping out mom a little bit with this. And then suddenly you're kind of in it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really, and I think men have a harder time identifying as caregivers. And so a, a good friend of mine, you know, he was caregiving for his mom and he was telling me all the things that he was doing for his mom and you know, she had been in the hospital a whole bunch of times and you know he was you know visiting her every single day in the long-term care facility she was in and being an advocate for her and one day I referred to him as a caregiver and he said well I'm not a caregiver and I said well frankly you actually are and let me explain to you why so you know caregiving even continues on for those you know listening you know, you may have been providing some of that care for a loved one in their home and then they transition off into more of a long term care setting, but you're still really there because I don't care if you're five years old or 50 years old or 100 years old, if you are not receiving care in your own home, or even frankly, if you are, you really need someone there on your bench to be your advocate because there's so much going on and it's so complicated. You really need somebody there to make sure that, you know, they're not amputating your right arm when it really needs to be your left, so to speak. <laughs> so Nicole, give me a quick walkthrough. Um, I, suddenly I find out, oh, I'm I'm a caregiver now I'm, uh -huh. I, and I need some help. And I, I let's say I call guiding lights. What what happens? What what should I ask? What, what do I do? Well, first of all, know that there are no stupid questions. There are no wrong that's questions. That's good for me. Well, <laughs> well, but I think sometimes people are embarrassed because the reality of it is people don't know what they don't know. And there is a huge tangled web of resources out there. So what happens is when you call, or you can stop by, but most people call just because they're so busy, um, you will speak to one of our referral specialists. And we actually have two folks in our office that take these calls. And we ask you questions about what's going on in your loved one's life, what's going on in your life, and sort of where all the pressure and pinch points are. And you may call and say, you know, I can't take it anymore. 
anymore. If mom asks me one more time, what time is it? I'm just going to go crazy. And, um, you know, so you just, and, and mom needs to be placed. But you may not realize that there are a lot of community-based options out there that may make them be able to stay in their home a little bit safer for longer. So, you know, we take an intake. It's not a big, scary process, but we really try to find out what the situation is. We try to find out also from you what the financial resources are. Now, not that because we're nosy about what your finances are, but we want to know what bucket of money do you have to potentially pay for your loved one's care? Because we don't want to refer you to give you an improper referral to an organization that you can't afford. And so, you know, we want to kind of get a sense of where we are with that. And then what we do is we directly connect you to organizations of excellence. So we have organizations that apply to receive referrals by our organization, and we put them through an interview process, and we make sure that we feel confident that if this was our mom or dad, we would feel comfortable making referral to that entity. And so after we talk with you, and if, a, if an actual resource needs to be referred out to you, then we will get your permission to actually connect you with that organization and hopefully make a match for you so that you can have some relief in that caregiving journey. And you're getting no incentive for these referrals, correct? Absolutely like some of these not. other organizations. Right. So there are some things out there that exist that can kind of get referral fees when they give a referral to an entity, um, which is way too complicated to get into right now. But um, no. So there is no charge for organizations to become vetted by us, and we do not get money back for giving referrals. We really look at the situation, which is why we're a nonprofit 501c3 charity. And so we are funded through grants, through do- donations, through the fundraising events that we have. And that's really how we keep the wheel turning for our organization. It's a great organization and just a, a truly invaluable resource. Guidinglightsnc.org is the website. What's the phone number if folks want to Sure, get a it's at 919-371-2062. Excellent. Nicole, we're out of time. We, uh, we're, we've got to get out of here, but we will be back again next Saturday evening at 7. Thank you so much for joining us and listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care, right here on News Radio 680 WPTF. Have a great night. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. For more information, log on transitionslifecare.org.